The Lifestylist, episode 119, featuring Alien Zach. I'm Luke Story, a former celebrity fashion stylist and founder of School of Style. For the past 20 years, I've been relentlessly dedicated to my deepest passion, designing the ultimate lifestyle based on the most powerful principles of health and spirituality. The Lifestylist Podcast is a show dedicated to sharing my discoveries and the experts behind them with you. You're listening to part one of two with Alien Zach. Today's show is brought to you by my friends over at Four Sigmatic. Now, you guys know for a while now, I've been into their medicinal mushroom blends, the little packets that you make these amazing elixirs with. However, they've got some new stuff they're rolling out that I'm really into, namely their coffee. They've got mushroom-infused coffee in both decaf and regular. Now, I'm really into decaf, especially the Swiss water extract because it's non-toxic. Sometimes I get too hyped and I got to keep it calm. So I like to mix in some decaf coffee sometimes. I'm not trying to hammer my adrenals. So go to foursigmatic.com, check out their coffee blends. They've also got amazing uh, mushroom matcha with lion's mane. So there's a number of different drinks. And what I really like about their superfood and herbal blends is that they're really easy to use. They come in little packets, you add hot water and you're good to go. Very portable, very convenient. We call this compliance in the health industry, meaning that they're really easy to use. They're not a pain in the ass like a lot of other healthy products, and they taste delicious. So they're organic, super powerful, super easy to use. That's what I look for when I'm representing a product. So go to foursigmatic.com. But wait, it gets even better. If you enter the code LUKESTORY over at Four Sigmatic, you will save 15% off your order. So go to foursigmatic.com, enter the code LUKESTORY, and save 15%. I'm going to give you guys a cosmic download right now and let you know about one of my favorite pieces of health technology. It's known as the Amp Coil. Essentially what the Amp Coil does is tune and tone organs and boost nutrition with earth-friendly, safe frequency. This is frequency and vibration medicine. It's insane. It's great for managing. Lyme, autoimmune issues, but it's also used, and this is what I use it for a lot of the time, is to deepen spiritual practice. So it's a biohack and a powerful one at that, but it's also a spirit hack. So I'm really into the results I'm getting from the Amp Coil. It's it's quite a miraculous thing. So I'd like you to jump over to ampcoil.com and check it out. They're very helpful. Happy to answer any techie questions you have. It's really complicated scientific equipment, but it's very easy to use. And that's why someone like me is able to really get it. And the results are insane. So check it out at ampcoil.com. Man, oh man, it's 2018 is turning out to be a kick-ass year, you guys. My name's Luke Story, and I'm here to bring you another episode of the Lifestylist Podcast. Today's show is all about the psychedelics of sound, breath, and vibration, man. We're getting into some heavy vibes with our guest, Alien Zach, who's the co-founder of The Womb Center in New York City, where this interview was recorded. I found out about The Womb Center through a listener, actually. I think it was a direct message. Uh, when I was in New York City, hey, you got to check this place out. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I get a lot of recommendations, but I was driven over there by my intuition. And the Womb Center is insane. They do yoga, meditation, and all of their teachings and experiences are primarily based on the therapeutic properties of sound vibration. So they do these things called sound experiences, which you'll hear a lot about in this episode, but they are super powerful and trippy and right up my alley. So when I went to womb center and had one of these experiences led by Alion and uh, her husband David, I had to get to the people behind this and find out what the hell was going on because that's my job. That's my job, you know, to find these things and then deliver them to you. So I want to encourage you next time you're in New York City, definitely check out the womb center that's spelled W-O-O-M as we talk about in the episode. So it's really rad stuff. This is, of course, a double episode because the conversation went on, I think, for two and a half hours. It was it was lit. It was super lit, okay? Here's what we cover in this double episode. All the natural means by which humans can explore their senses and consciousness. The types of breath work and how each one of them affect you. LSD research and holotropic breathing. 
the role of drugs and plant medicines in spiritual pursuit. Do they work or not, and what are the risks? We are going to get to the bottom of that question. The truth about Burning Man and why people keep going. Elian and David are huge burners, and in fact, that's where you know the womb center and what they do was really conceptualized. So we find out, like, what's the deal with that? Now, if you're a burner already, you get it. Me, personally, I don't get it. I've never been. I don't understand why you'd want to be out there in the hot-ass desert with those weird goggles on and shit. We're going to find out why. It sounds pretty cool. And she goes deep into it. So that's going to be a very interesting piece for those of you that haven't been. And those of you that have, you probably run into her over there. All right. Then the different breathing patterns as they related to yoga and how they help remove past trauma and negative emotions, something I've experienced a lot of. And then the drugs your body actually naturally makes during breath work. The power of vocal meditation and harmonizing in a group. Then we really sum up the consciousness movement as it currently stands in New York City and how excited we are about it. There is just so much going on there. And Elian shares my enthusiasm and gives some great tips on some other things to check out in the city. And then finally, we close with some information about Kabbalah and how that's had an effect on Elian's life and her work. So this is a deeply entertaining, fun, spiritual, super trippy, out there episode. And I'm really excited to bring this one to you from New York City with Alien Zach. Elion, welcome to the Lifestylist Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's really good to be here. And, you know, selfishly, when I have this show... I get to go like do something like do one of your sound experiences and then you'll talk and you'll share some of your knowledge. And I was like, God, I would like to sit down and talk to her more, but privately so I can ask very specific questions and indulge myself. And the great thing about having your own show is if people agree to do it as a guest like you have, I get to do just that. It's just like such a gift. It's so fantastic. So I so hope that I'll have the answers to your questions. You already do have the answers I'll for sure. I'll make them up. If not, you're free to make anything up on the fly. And I can also Google things, right? <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> totally. People listening can't tell what you're doing. Exactly. So sometimes I'm like walking around, I go to the bathroom, the guest is still sitting there talking. No one has any idea that all that is transpiring unless <laughs> they're watching it on video. <laughs> so we're here at this amazing establishment called Wu Center, W-O-O-M, which we'll of course link to and people will be able to find it easily. But I was recommended to you and your space here that you run with David, your partner, by the girls from Cat Beauty because they were on my show and they're like, Carrie Lynn and Cindy, they're the girls like that know about all the cool consciousness and health and wellness stuff in New York City. So if I ever have a question about what to do, where to go, they're like, okay, call this person, do this, do that. So I'm really glad they led me here. Last time I was here, I came and did one of your sound experiences and I was like, wow, we got to talk. So here we are. I came a couple nights ago on Friday. That was two nights ago and did another one. Had an amazing experience, strangely, very different experience than the first time, which I'm sure you hear a lot. So let's really dig into what you do here at Womb, um, of course. But first, what has your journey been that led you to be where you are? Like, how did you first get into changing consciousness and sound and light and all of the different sort of sensory experiences that you now provide for people? You have like a week. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. This happens with every guest. They're like, hmm, how do I say I that? How imagine. do I give the elevator version of that? Right. But, you know, was there, I always ask guests this though, and I think it's important. Was there a catalyst or did you experience, you know, like dark times in your life that led you to pursue this life? Or were you just always like into feeling iry? That's a, <laughs> <laughs> that's a really uh, well-phrased good question. There was an aha moment. I would actually say it was an aha period of my life. And I would link it directly to meeting my husband and partner, David, who has been kind of uh, messing with consciousness for, I would say, a little over a decade in many different ways. I didn't have a dark time in my life. So it wasn't this kind of like hero's journey from darkness into the light. It was this burning knowing since I was a child that there is something deeper that I need to find about my existence. And I would say that my entire life has led me on that journey. So there is always something to kind of like slap me in the face 
and change my direction. I started as a stage actor since the age of five. I was a child actor in Israel, and then I moved here, and I was acting, and I was acting. How old were you when you moved here? I was 20. Uh, was I'm, it, and was I'm 32 it, now. Was so. it a difficult uh, <laughs> cultural transition for you? It wasn't because Israel is like mini America in many ways. Okay. We, we grow up with American culture, American TV, American music. So we have a lot of America in us. It's like America's little child. Right. And it's not like you moved to Kentucky or something. I mean, right. You know, I, I, like I moved to like the center of the universe. Right, and I would right. never move to America if it weren't to New York. Right. Like I, I moved to New York City. Yeah. So that was like my, that was my objective. And maybe I would say two years after graduating from my acting conservatory and acting and producing and doing all this shit, I was like, something doesn't feel right. I don't want to wake up and do this every day. I don't want to fight for this. I don't want to die for this. I will not, I don't want to fight for this in any way. I can't be an actor in my whole complete being if I can't, risk not being successful and di and still doing my art so i didn't feel like an artist i felt like a fraud there was just this one i totally relate to <laughs> that you yeah, oh very much so with music yeah 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 and actually music too but we'll get to music probably yeah. a little later because music was kind of like music and sound and voice and working with the voice and doing all this stuff was kind of like something that always resonated with me no pun intended and when I quit acting there was a relief but using my voice was there was still an engine like a motor running in there and I was like I still need to find a way there is still something bubbling inside that tells me that the voice is not over I have not I have not sung my last note but it's not it wasn't no long I didn't I didn't yearn to perform anymore there was no more of that then I started doing a whole bunch of other things kind of like to find so I'm like I'm gonna invest myself in a lot of different things writing and writing for other people so I was doing a lot of writing and there was this just one thing that kept with me for about 11 years of that journey yoga I was practicing yoga I would just I went to yoga classes all the time there was something about the movement here in the city? Mm -hmm. Where did you practice? I started at a gym. That was my first yoga yeah, class. Yeah, me too. Oh, everyone. Like workout, like power yoga kind it of stuff? It wasn't actually. It oh, was okay. a hatha yoga with an Indian teacher. Wow. And you, you got you scored. And not there's anything wrong with like workout yoga. Actually, it's great. But the, the yoga that first resonated with me was buff yoga with weights in my hands. That wow. was the first yoga that I was like, I'm sold on this. But I, I went into the yoga class. It was a hatha yoga, so an hour and a half. Pretty big commitment for someone who doesn't really practice yoga. And something about the movement felt like I remembered it. Like it, it felt familiar. And I've never done these shapes before. But something, my body remembered it. It was familiar. And then I found that buff yoga class. And I started practicing really regularly. And it wasn't the weights. It was the teacher. There was something about him and I don't practice with him anymore because he teaches, still teaches, teaches at a gym. But um, he was just, he embodied the practice so well. And that really transpired. I, I really received that from him. And then I found a studio that I practiced in for a while. I got trained. I got trained when I was kind of like, I don't know what to do. And this has been a constant force really in my life. I was my therapy. Even when I was in therapy, this was my therapy. And I went to teacher training and I remember my, my teacher, my first teacher trainer, Sam Chase. Um, I heard him speak for the first time and I was like, okay, I'm exactly where I need to be. My heart just cracked open and I was like, this is going somewhere. I don't know. I was like, vibrating with emotion and with thought and with like you know the <laughs> fire fire in my brain the it was just and it was just the beginning really so there was a lot to consume a lot to receive and that was the beginning do you ever think about uh, the idea that perhaps you in a prior lifetime might have experienced some dark times you know some dark nights of the soul and oh, and then as you came back here like maybe it wasn't abject poverty or abuse or death and destruction that led you down this path but maybe you experienced some of that before and in this lifetime was perhaps a little bit easier on you because you've been nudged in this direction yes have uh, you ever considered that i wonder I, not I mean, only have i considered that i've explored that ah, okay. uh, thoroughly cool 
uh, through past life regressions. Oh, wow. Tell me about that. Uh, Even the mechanics. Like, so you hire, you know, you go so to yeah, a specialist to, to, that does So I started it with a book and I would like okay. to recommend this book. It's a, a book by Brian Weiss, Dr. Brian Weiss. The book is called Many Lives, Many Masters. I've heard of that. It's a actually. great book. Cool. It's, um, it's really life changing. You know what? If I if now I have to if I have to like go back and tell my story again, everything started with reading that book. Everything started with going to Burning Man for the first time. There's like a lot of little things that kind of. But if we're talking career, then this is you know the yoga yeah. teacher training. Yeah, yeah. But I would say reading this book and Burning Man and the yoga all melding into one, and knowing that everything kind of has a single truth and it's universal and absolute. Um, and it has nothing to do with religion. That was a uh, huge, yeah. huge part. Was your family deeply religious? My family is the most secular family you'll ever meet. I'm talking like ham and cheese sandwich and Yom Kippur. <laughs> funny. <laughs> yeah, funny. pretty funny. But because my parents are... Uh, hi, baby. Because my parents are... Um, we have a puppy joining us, you guys. This is like the best when, when dogs come in the podcast. It's the best. I love dogs. I need to get a dog. Yeah. So, so not, in a, not in a religious sense then. My parents are, they're just open. So they allowed me to explore. Even cool. when they were like, what are you doing, weird child? They were open and really permissive in the exploration. And they let, let us be weird. You're, you're very uh, articulate with your English. Did you? Like, I started young. You did? I did. Started, I, yeah. I told my parents when I was five. I told my parents that I was going to be a huge Hollywood star uh, and that I need to learn how to speak English. And they uh, were like, okay. all right, I like you. Let's do it. That's cool. <laughs> I just noticed that of having spent a couple, you know, a few hours with you speaking intermittently in the sound experience. I was like, wow, for someone that's not from here, like you're very well spoken. Uh, it's also, you know, language is sound. So ah, my right. hearing is pretty acute. So I detect um, accents really well. So right. I, I have a... I have a Right. Well, speaking of accents, it's funny. And I want to find out how you and um, David ended up together. And I find it so fascinating that you are both on the same path and you have a business together. And that seems to, I mean, you know, no one knows what goes on behind the scenes. You guys seem to have a very synergistic relationship. And what was uh, cute about it between you two was when I requested the interview, I just obviously wanted to speak to both of you and I'd emailed and kind of included him in the emails. And then after a few exchanges, you guys were like, oh, he doesn't really want to do the podcast because he has such a thick accent. And then... Uh, like 75% of my relationship, I say, what? <laughs> well, <laughs> well, he wasn't here the first time and I was like, oh, I'm not really getting the... It was a great experience, but I knew that ha you know your other half was not participating in that first sound experience and then he was there th here this time and I already knew about the accent and um are you familiar with the comedians Penn and Teller yes I do okay so I one am. of them talks and one of them doesn't okay I mean you have nothing to do with them other than that but the two of you kind of reminded me of that because you're sort of leading the sound experience and taking us through the various you know uh, epochs or, or chapters you know right and and he's just kind of holding space and then True. i'm sure was i had my eyes closed but i assume was very active in creating a lot of that beautiful oh, sound very, very, very and active. then at the very 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 end of the night this is the pen and teller moment you know because he didn't really say anything you did all the talking and then at the end he dropped like the most insane wisdom bomb on the group and True. i was just like even with the accent, I got where he was coming from. Yes. He was talking about how at a certain point of your own personal spiritual evolution that the observer and that being observed sort of disappear and merge into one where mm -hmm. there's just one thing. I was like, damn, son. Homeboy was bringing the heat. Oh, no, really, he, he's, a, he's a deep guy. He gets it. He, yeah. He's really tapped in. Yeah, like, very cool guy. Really so cool. Let, let's, I, you, know, you may have figured out my uh, quote-unquote interviews are very nonlinear. We jump all over the oh, place. Oh, yeah, so. let's jump. So just hang with me. So It's a trampoline, baby. So along the, <laughs> along the journey, very much is so. <laughs> so along the journey, you are getting into yoga. You're doing some past life regression. You have a feeling that you know, you're being drawn in this direction towards spirituality. You go to Burning Man. At what point... Does David enter the equation and how do you guys kind of end up coming to this together? David is in the equation this entire time. Um, oh, okay. 
uh, he wasn't there for the beginning of yoga. I have to give that to an ex-boyfriend who, uh, it was a long distance actually. We were talking long distance before. Where did uh, he live? In Israel. Oh, uh, wow. Really long distance. Really long distance. And you got some time changes there to deal with. Yeah, man. No, there's a Even lot of Even between like, New York and, and LA, was, it's a And that a was the least of the problems, let me tell you. But um, right. he, was, he, was, he was like practicing yoga and I just wanted to be close to him. So right. I, went to, I started going to yoga. Right. So thank you for that. But David was there from the beginning of my dropping of the acting career, basically. So he was, he was there for, for the big change. He was there when I had no idea what was going on. And um, his spiritual journey was a little less, I would say a little less of a announced spiritual journey, but he was on it fully. David is a, f- a former restaurateur and chef. He owned um, businesses in the city and he was um, a chef for, for a little over 10 years. I think Burning Man, our first burn was in 2013, was our first burn together and our first burn. And it was kind of like life-changing experience for both of us in different ways. He returned home because it was like He's so open and tapped in, so it was like, oh, I'm, I feel completely surrendered to everything here. I feel, and I came to Burning Man on the other side like, Whew, this is not home. This is school. This is really, t- it was really tough for me. But it changed things for me. It, re- it made me, if I have to kind of like elevator pitch what we're doing here, why are we here? Not you and me, but us as a humanity in general. And uh, because of what I'm reading now, by the way, I'm reading another book called The Journey of Souls, which is not about past lives, but it's about the lives in between lives. So it's the spirit world. Wow. Mind. Tight. Blown. See, that's the part actually that, and I'm, we're going to get back to Burning Man and uh, the David experience, but <laughs> the David experience. That's, that's what trips me out about. I mean, I just know that this is not my first rodeo. There's just no way. And in fact, when I was um, around, I think I was around nine years old in 79, I went to see a famous saint named Muktananda who had an, uh, he was from India, obviously, and had an ashram in Oakland. And I went up, I went to Darshan and they led me up to, you know, be blessed or whatever. And he told me this, he said, you have a very old soul. <laughs> and I was like, that's dope. <laughs> you know? I'm like, I'll take that. Because, you know, when you're a kid, you feel so weak, you know. But uh, I took that in, you know, even at that time. I was like, hmm, what does that mean? I'm not, I mean, I'm nine or whatever I was. And it's like, God, I just know I've been here before. But what's trippy is, okay, so say I leave my body right now. I don't just fucking jump down to like general hospital, you know, and uptown somewhere and like pop into a womb right now like there's there's got to be some time where i go somewhere conscious consciousness wise and kind of process whatever needs to be processed and then i pick a new mom and dad and a new whole karmic situation to enter back into and pop out of a new vagina and and do this all over again (laughs) in order to learn in order to learn what you still need to learn in order to so brian weiss puts it in a really beautiful way each of us is a perfect diamond so the soul of each human being is a perfect diamond uh, with a lot of facets and our our job in this in the earthly plane is to clean the facets to make the diamond shine so some of us have more to clean and some of us have a little less to clean depending on where we are in our journey but we're all perfect um and then if you go into the in-between lives yeah you go and you process the shit and you like look at it so yeah so after kind of immersing yourself in these kind of materials with a little bit of faith and a little bit of experience because you can read and read and read as long as you don't have an experience that would open something up inside of you and make you, because we are creature, we experience reality through our senses. If our senses are not provoked to think otherwise, we would think that this reality is all that there is. And I feel like whenever one is ready, we have an opportunity to step out of the sphere of our comfort zone and into a new experience of self and other, um, which is self, essentially. Yeah, so, yeah. That's like what David was saying the other yes. night, that at a certain level of 
awareness that the difference between you and I in our physical material form sitting across from one another sort of disappears and there's a oneness. And at that point, not only is forgiveness implicit and automatic, but also the motivation to harm anyone or anything else is, is, uh, it, it disappears because you really have a deep understanding that you're, you're simultaneously doing that to yourself. Yes. You know what I mean? It's like punching yourself in the face to punch someone else in the face, totally. you know? Yeah. So, and it gets more subtle with the more you understand or the more you internalize the more subtle this practice of self and other becomes or the unity, the union, the non-duality becomes. Right. I, I would assume. So it also, it's not about harming. It's also about what is going on in the box. What are you thinking? Mm-hmm. What are you thinking about yourself? Mm-hmm. I think self-love, which is something that we take for granted. We even mock it in a way, um, thinking of um, that self-love is uh, self-importance um, or I don't know, but self-love, the true essence right. of self-love is um, none, not a lot of, uh, of us really possess that fully. <laughs> I'm working on that one really hard right that, now. That was my first, that was my first lesson I would say at Burning Man. My so first here's what I want to ask. So you mentioned Burning Man again, and I do want to jump in there because. Have you been? No, but. Having been someone that spent a lot of time taking copious amounts of psychedelics, going to see the Grateful Dead in the early 90s mm-hmm. and kind of having that communal thing where you trade some weed for a burrito and you <laughs> live in the parking lot, you know, like I have a feeling I've got a glimpse of, of that sort of mobile community, this carny kind of spiritual carny lifestyle that mm-hmm. I imagine Burning Man to be. Mm-hmm. I personally... Like whenever you see photos of it or people talk about it, like there's nothing there. I'm just like have 0% desire or interest whatsoever. But that's, I'm also just not even curious about it really. But for the sake of our listeners, many of whom I'm sure have been to Burning Man, if not even some of them, total official burners. You know, like Mm -hmm. I was just in Tahoe. I think it was around the time. It just Mm -hmm. happened a little while ago, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, because when I landed in the Reno airport, I was like... Who are all the weirdos? I was like, why do all the white guys have dreads here? (laughs) I was like, oh, it's Burning Man. It smells like patchouli everywhere, you know? (laughs) Patchouli and weed. And uh, I was like, oh, yeah, we're kind of close to the area where that happens. So my question with Burning Man is this. Do you think it's possible and and how common is it for people to have experiences like you have and David had and so many others where you like have these portals of awakening and transformation without taking copious amounts of psychedelics or is that just inherent to the process? Gen to generally speaking or just in your personal experience? That's a a really good question. Uh, Because I I, I think of it as like a drug laden fest and I'm sober that's probably one of the reasons I'm it like can eh, be. kind of been there done that doesn't I think that's one of the reasons it doesn't it resonate be. with me because I'm not that's not my path right mm-hmm, now mm-hmm. you know so um I see Burning Man as kind of uh like a microcosm of the world you have everything there uh so if you want to have a burn in which you take copious amounts of psychedelics and that's what you do then that's what you'll have I don't do that um, I know a lot of people who do a completely sober burn, and that includes alcohol or you know anything. I feel like so. Here's the thing about Burning Man: intention and what we generate mentally, emotionally, spiritually inside has a big impact on reality. We are basically tripping all the time. On chemicals in our brain. Right, right, totally. Love is a chemical that we trip on. Oxytocin, Oxytocin gets you high right? as hell. Oxytocin. It'll make you do all kinds Anger of stupid shit. Is, fear is, all of those things are trips. The human experience is a trip. Um, there's something about, it's kind of like going to church or if you're Jewish, uh, going to temple, if you're Muslim, going to uh, mosque etc etc there's something about the collective intention of a larger group of people because prayer alone has its um kind of like it's like a little candle that burns and then when people come together it's like a big fire that burns together and makes a difference on the kind of ecosystem of the world at burning man it's like a temple for 70,000 people who all come there to love 
to share. And that's not even a cliche. It's the truth. And I came there as the most skeptical human being. I was there like rolling my eyes for the first four, four days in 2013. I was Did like, your man talk you into going? Was it like his thing that he you know, wanted this, you to adopt? He didn't talk me out? into anything. He's like, hey, we're going to Burning Man. Oh, okay. I'm like, okay. I was always curious about it. Oh, okay. But I was also very scared because I didn't want to be left behind when everyone was like running around doing acid. And I'm like, I'm not doing acid because I can't commit to being outside of myself for 12 hours. Have you ever done it? I haven't. Oh, okay. Um, I don't think you need to based on what you guys do here, honestly. Well, <laughs> You're kind of creating a trip every however many nights you do this. That's, like, that's true. For um, real. You know, having said that, I think there is different substances, and I would not say all of them, but uh, different substances I think have a lot, have a lot of um, value to our humanity. It's just that not every person needs to do every substance and we need to like be very careful about it. And I feel like it needs to be consumed or, or kind of explored in a contained ceremonial uh, set and setting for it to really have uh, value, a yeah. medicinal effect. So I think that's why when I was a teenager and would take acid and go see like Motley Crue, <laughs> I didn't have the most spiritual experience. Right. You know, but I mean, I used to like go to parties and like keggers and like really low energy environments right. and trip so hard. Exactly. And I That's had, so American, I had a lot by of, the way. I had a lot of negative experiences. Of course. You know? and then That's I have, so American. Like in Israel, no one does that. Right. And I'd have to take a lot of other drugs to like come down off the sure. trips too. And then like, there's nothing worse than like going and trying to cop hard street drugs in the middle of the night when you're coming down off acid. Like nothing, wow. nothing gets like more dark and depressing than I that. I can't you know? imagine. You don't want to imagine. I don't want to imagine. It's, it's dark. It's dark. <laughs> so so, I, so I, anyway, so it, I, it, I, I totally agree. I mean, cause I think there's, there's immense value in sort of at least temporarily fast forwarding that window to other realms of reality and even other dimensions in some exactly. cases. But I always say, you know, my, my, not I always say, but I heard my, I interviewed my, my meditation teacher and my sort of spiritual mentor, I Who guess you that? could say. Uh, Jeff Kober. Mm -hmm. He's out in California. He's also an actor, still mm -hmm. an actor, but also a meditation teacher for 25 years or Amazing. something. And he was saying, you know, about psychedelics, he's no stranger to uh, chemicals in his distant past. Uh, but he was saying that, you know, a friend of his went down south and did ayahuasca and, and, and like got rid of his anger through that process. He had a profound experience from just doing a whole journey that one time. And, uh, and he came back and told Jeff about it. Jeff was like, that's awesome, man. And, you know, the guy sort of made it to a, the peak of the mountain, you know. And Jeff said, that's cool that he did that, but he didn't learn how to climb. He said, you know, mm. I've been doing this work for... Thirty years. Honestly, I've I, learned how to climb. You know, so I, I. I don't think that's true. To be honest with okay. you. I mean, do you think you get to hang on to? Yes. What you're able to get there. I mean. So. Uh, here's the thing. You see what I'm saying? Right? I totally. Okay. Absolutely. I'm saying absolutely. I've been, I've been back and forth. Okay. I think the substance is an opportunity to take a look. But then you can't leave it there. You can't do. You can't have these experiences and then go back to your bullshit afterwards. Okay. It needs to be a continuous. So you get this gift, you get this glimpse, you get this journey in which you truly get to be the hero sometimes. Because it, these journeys, especially on ayahuasca, uh, or so I've heard. I've, I haven't done that particular medicine, but nor have I. <laughs> they're not they're not fun it's not uh <laughs> right. it's not like hey let's you're get not going to a rave it's you're not, not like drinking you're, ayahuasca you're, and you're going lying partying. down with yourself and taking a look inside this is the thing that we all fear most we don't know what, what we're gonna find in there yeah. so you know it's courageous and it's i think if it's not abused it is a beautiful practice every once in a while to recalibrate in this way like every year every 6 months to get yourself into a ceremony to go through like some intense detox intense like telescope into the yeah. soul kind of yeah. thing get uh, the portal opening and that feeds your daily meditation practice right, it right. doesn't take away from it so if, yeah. so it's not the destination but perhaps 
the opening of a door along the way down a long hallway. You take a peek in, you walk inside a room. It's not a room that you can stay in and function, obviously, right? right? So you have to come back out of that room, but you have to take that experience and continue on with that as part of your consciousness along the, the travel. So that in it and of It changes you. Yeah, it does. I agree. The first time I took LSD, I was doing it- You're to, changed forever. I was doing it to party. Like I was not I having any kind I of spiritual I don't understand experience. how people take psychedelics to party till I took this it day. In, I, I took understand. it in high school like mm. at school yeah and was what? just tripping balls in school <laughs> yeah. no you're I was, next level I was 17 years old yeah and I'm just <laughs> sitting in class just watching the walls melt you know and the teacher's face turning like different ages and shit this is the craziest thing I've ever heard in my and life and then afterward I did that a lot actually I mean, I used psychedelics to stay awake when I was in high school. Like if we, I lived in Aspen and we would drive to Denver to see concerts and we'd get tired because we were drunk, you know, so we'd get drunk for the drive, be drinking the whole way and to stay awake and not get too drunk, we'd take acid just as like an amphetamine essentially. My God. Yeah. And so American we, kids. So we'd be driving across the continental divide in the middle of winter on ice, tripping balls on acid, <laughs> drunk off our ass. And it's like a, I don't know, a full five hour drive or something like that. So yeah. far. And that's how, you know, that's one looking back on so many stupid things I did like that, like there has to be a God because there's no way I'd be sitting here. Because be, you were not meant to die then. Yeah, I was such a dumbass. <laughs> like, but <laughs> what my, a dumbass. But my time, my time was not up, no, you know? No. But there were a lot of kids that did the same shit I did and their time was up. And Absolutely. And they, they didn't even survive high school. Yeah. You know? But anyway, I, I wanted to share one thing in my own accidental spiritual experience with LSD. It was the first time I tripped. I took it in school, but it lasts, like you said, for 12 hours. So later on that night, I'm, I think it might have been my 17th birthday, if I'm not mistaken. Later on that night, I'm still tripping after school. And, uh, and I had this profound experience where I was able to kind of zoom out from the planet in my awareness and almost envision and see my tiny little teenage self at that party, standing on that porch in Colorado. And I could see how small and insignificant I was. But in a positive way, yes. it was sort of like, Oh my God. It's none, all a big joke. Yeah, none of this matters. <laughs> it's like the, the girl that broke up with me or what, you know, yeah. whatever, my parents, this, that, a school, all my problems. I was like, oh yeah, this actually is so, this whole lifetime is just, you know, a snap of the fingers. Yeah. It's shorter than that. And mm -hmm. that kind of stuck with me where even in moments of abject pain and suffering for whatever reason during my life since then, and even to this day, I still have that little glimpse of awareness, that portal that I was able to see like, yeah, things are not as they seem. And Absolutely. you and your problems are very insignificant in yeah. the great scope of things. That was the one takeaway gift, even though that wasn't the intention. And so in that sense, the, I agree. With but it's across the board. These kind of experiences that you just described, this is something that I think every person who dabbles in psychedelics or, or have, has had a psychedelic experience that I would say I could frame it as positive could report back saying, oh... I get it now where there's a, the idea of unity and the interconnectedness of everyone and everything becomes very pronounced when going through these experiences. And, and there's so much value in that. And it's like, a, it's kind of like you get a, a beautiful, beautiful guitar riff that you can then, then take into your life and turn into a beautiful album. <laughs> and you know it's it's all about conscious consumption and i can say that about everything and i think also you said it earlier with with the whole process of burning man and it's about intention you yes. know so even though like in my experience my intention was definitely not to have right. some sort of life-changing epiphany that would stay with me 40 whatever 30 something years later but imagine taking those types of journeys with the intention of yes. like going deeper within oneself mm -hmm. and the intention of evolving. Like it's funny because when I think about now, like I have a friend who uh, does DMT periodically. He smokes like this mm -hmm. frog. Uh, toad. Yeah, toad mm -hmm. shit. And you put in a glass pipe and, and you see God and angels and all kinds of crazy stuff. It's one of the constituents of the ayahuasca brew, right? But it's isolated, just this certain uh, molecule of DMT. Mm -hmm. And the way he explained it to me, he's like, yeah, you trip balls for about six seven minutes and you depends on how much you take okay yes. <laughs> you see these other these entities and these benevolent beautiful sort of angels and god and all this stuff 
and then it st- it goes away and then you're stone cold sober like nothing ever happened yeah. and you just go on with your day. Well, <laughs> that's how he explained it. I'm like, that sounds amazing. But because I'm like such a drug addict at my core, I actually would want to do that just to get high. Yeah, I don't think you would. Not, not to like have a spiritual experience. And that's why I, I think I never go explore with that stuff. A, because I really value my sobriety and I, you know, I don't want to risk it, but I, I still inherently, even though I'm such a devoted spiritual seeker, I still really love to get high, whether it's in a, a sound experience or doing um, holotropic breathing or whatever. I just know I still have that inner junkie that's like, could, you know, like pretend like I have this other intention, but really I just want to smoke DMT and like trip balls for a few minutes and then be able to come back to normal life. And so it's, that's- It's a confrontational experience. Is it? Well, that's yeah. what my friend, my friend Daniel, I was like, dude, if you come down, don't you want to do it again? No. A few minutes later, he's like, dude, are you nuts? No fucking way you, you would not, ever no, do that. No, 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 you wouldn't. <laughs> that's Again, what I mean that's what everyone says not six seven minutes like depends on how much you take you can take okay. a shamanic dose and then you're gone for like 45 an hour oh really two hours uh yeah there, do you ever see that documentary I think it was called the spirit molecule I read the book it's better oh, okay. than the documentary is it okay uh DMT the spirit so it's a chemical that exists in every living being plants human beings we have DMT we generate right. DMT so right. it's uh, related to the pineal gland uh-huh. um related to the the seventh chakra ah. um According to research, it kind of um, appears in our brain when we are born and when we die. Oh, um, wow. Right. So I bet that, I bet this is going on when people have near-death experiences, oh, absolutely. right? Yeah, oh, yeah. I have this book. It's called, like, I think it's called The Big Book of Near-Death Experiences. And mm. it's all these accounts of people that have gone and come back yes. in the same body. Yeah. And they all have sort of a theme that's um, consistent between all of them. What is it? uh, Essentially, it's that they don't necessarily want to come back into their body, Mm -hmm. but there's like their family or they feel like there's unfinished business. But the the thing is that they're not bummed out that they're dying. Mm-hmm. They know that they left their body. They're conscious. They're, they're floating above the operating table where they just, you know, had open heart surgery and quote unquote died. They flatline. And they're like, mm, I don't really want to go back, but I guess I should. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm, it's that kind mm-hmm. of vibe, right? Yeah. So it's really, it's really interesting. But I, I bet that there is that that DMT thing like has a lot yes. to do with that whole experience. You really should read the book that I'm reading. Okay. The Journey of Souls. Cool. Dr. I, I mean, Michael I, Newton. I, we're going to put it in the show notes and then I'll definitely have a link to yeah, it. Yeah, definitely. So let's talk about then how, because one of the things that's very unique, I think, about what you guys do here at Womb is that you have this sound experience. And I've done a lot of what we call sound baths. I mean, even in Kundalini Yoga mm-hmm. back home, there's like these major trip outs at the end of really intensive meditations and you're singing mantras and then the gong and not so much the rattles and the other sort of indigenous trippy instruments, but I've had a lot of experience with sound, but none of them, including Kundalini yoga, which does include a lot of breath work at times, none of them have had such intensive breath work sessions that you guys do along with the sound. And it ties into the DMT thing because I've taken three Wim Hof uh, trainings now the ice man i don't know if oh, you're familiar yeah, with him off and there was they don't do it anymore but in the first one that i took they had this thing called the dmt breath and this is kind of before i heard the term holotropic breathing um he says that your brain releases dmt when you do this particular type of breath work is it inhale hold exhale Hold, inhale, medium, exhale. No, No, it's it's essentially what I'm getting to is it's essentially the same breath pattern that you guys do, but there's holds on the exhale and holds on the inhale at the end, like Uh really long ones. And you do the T-Rex, shaky arms and all that. And you trip out. You start crying. You start laughing. Like it's hardcore. And that is unlike the Wim Hof breath now, which is like you do like two minutes and then an exhale hold as long as you can. Then an inhale, you tense up your body. Very much similar to a lot of yogic stuff Mm -hmm. that I've done. But the DMT one, I think was like, 25 minutes or something like that of deep in deep out deep in mm-hmm. deep out until you're like shaking and all freaky and then the holds and you really do have a really amazing profound psychedelic experience so do you think that has anything to do with dmt or have you done any research on the breath work in that particular molecule or any kind of i haven't actually um uh you know stanislav Grof, who has been in terms of breath work has been the biggest influence on me and I've actually had the honor 
of uh, practicing with him one time. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. And is he not the, um, I guess you could say, inventor of officially holotropic breathing? Mm-hmm. Wow. Is he still alive? Yeah, and he's he's 80, 85 or 86. Does he still teach it or practice it publicly? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Really? Oh, man. I wonder if I could interview him. Uh, you might be able to. Wow, interesting. He is the best one of the best ones we still have on the planet, I think. Stand by for a brief yet crucial announcement. Since I launched this podcast over a year and a half ago, I've received literally hundreds of inquiries from listeners asking me for my top recommendations in terms of health supplements and biohacking technologies. Now, I'm someone who's been borderline obsessive about health for the past 21 plus years. It's kind of just my thing. It's what I'm good at and it's what I really enjoy. And I really love passing my findings and research on to my friends and listeners. What many of you don't know, however, based on the number of emails that I still get asking the same questions is that I now have a store on my website where I've curated all of the best stuff that I've found in all of these years of research and development. So if you want my recommendations, it's really easy. You can find them all in one place. Go to lukestory.com forward slash store. And there you will find every single product and service that I have personally found and vetted and feel confident in recommending to you, the listener. So again, go to lukestory.com forward slash store and you'll find all of my top recommended products there. It's important to note, however, that I do not personally sell anything. However, on my store, you'll find a description and a link and in many cases, even a discount for all of the products and services that I endorse on my web store. So go to lukestory.com forward slash store to find everything you'll need to support a healthy lifestyle. And you mentioned something the other night about him and the... LSD um, research? Yeah, let's talk about that. So, Because I'm interested where like the natural drugs that we have inside or that our brain and body can produce, it, you know, how we can sort of induce that effect through breath work Mm -hmm. versus taking the what do you call it exogenous versions of that Mm -hmm. (laughs) so there's a lot of there are a lot of different people who who fuck with this kind of shit right so Stanislav Gruff is one really respected by the medical community um he has like this whole army of people who now teach it all over the world and it really came to replace his LSD research so he thought rightfully so, that this technique can replace therapy, can replace the LSD research that allows people to really confront or look inside in a meaningful way that speech therapy isn't. He was really, he was like when Dr. Hoffman first discovered LSD, Stanislav Grof was one of the first people who got a sample of it to try. Wow, that's crazy. It's crazy. Isn't that weird that the guy's still alive who was around when acid was invented? Like, that's how new it is. Yeah. That's really interesting. And he's like completely there. He's so clear and he's awesome. He like draws references from art, from archetypal history, from uh, psychedelic research, takes everything into like this compact, beautiful model. It's like how everything is connected from religion to just beautiful. He's awesome. I, I have books to recommend. And and in terms of his research, do you know what led him to look into different breathing patterns and exercises? Oh, that's a good question. To induce a psychedelic experience? I wonder what gave him that idea. I don't remember. I don't remember. I, I'm pretty sure that was in his book. But because I wanted to get to the ecstatic part and what's going on, (laughs) I don't remember. That's actually a part of it that I don't remember. But um, I bet it was somehow related to yoga. Oh, okay. I bet it was somehow related to it. But I'm not, I can't, I don't. That makes sense. I mean, a lot of the yogic traditions have some pretty intense breathing exercises Mm -hmm. that definitely take you to another place in terms of consciousness. Absolutely. Okay. But I'm not sure. So maybe not. Cool. I won't quote you then. But it's a it's a it's a pretty valid assumption. Yeah. So so you studied with him. I didn't study with him. I went to a, a weekend oh, okay. that he facilitated. Okay. Okay. Um, so you're a participant in one of his workshops. Yeah. You could say. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. You and you can't really study with him anymore, unfortunately. Okay. And what was that experience like for you? It was really difficult for me. The entire uh, uh, intellectual part of it was I I kind of I drank that stuff up. Uh, because I just, I love to learn and 
intellectual stimulation just, just does it for me. So uh, I was kind of like, this guy is like my David Bowie. I'm in love with him. <laughs> David respects that. Um, <laughs> Everyone gets one free pass. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> really? Mine is Stanislav Grof. <laughs> no, David Bowie. I oh, thought you said no, <laughs> no, David Bowie is not. I can't. That's get not David, your free pass. I can't get David Bowie. My ex-girlfriend's was Lenny Kravitz. So I was like, I'll give you that. It's pretty hot. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair okay. enough. He's hot. He's hot. The actual experience. So when you practice the holotropic, it's three hours and it's one person. Each person has a sitter. So there oh. were a hundred of us and we got into pairs of uh, two. We got into pairs. And, Did you uh, go there alone? or was I went by myself. Oh, mm-hmm. wow. Daring. Yeah, no, I, it had to. I, it, you you want to do that by yourself. And even if you, I came with David or with someone, we would not be paired up together. Oh, okay. So I was paired up with this, uh, with this amazing woman who is actually a yoga teacher who lives in New York City and a little older, so I felt really safe. And we had a morning session and an afternoon session, and she was breathing in the morning, and I was breathing in the afternoon. Actually, I preferred being a sitter first to, to kind of support and see what the what hell... What sign are you? I'm Aquarius. Hmm. You? Scorpio. Oh, I love Scorpio people. I do too. I get, along, I get along with us very well. Yeah, you get along with you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't always get along with myself, but other manifestations of Scorpio people I do, yeah. Yeah, it's weird. Libras, Virgos, and Scorpios. Most of my intimate relationships, family, even my mom and dad, they're both Virgos. Oh, yeah? One brother's a Scorpio. Yeah, just, I don't know. Those three signs, trippy. I was just curious because I know some people like, uh, I've had a couple of friends that are Cancers and they're, I would say they're, Cautious might be an overstatement, but they approach everything with, you know, a bit of trepidation, mm-hmm. you could say. They're mm-hmm. like, not just all. Like, I just hear about something like, yeah, I'm all in, let's go. You know, yeah, and then no, later no. on I go, oh, should I have done that? Maybe not, you know. Yeah. So you sound like maybe you have that tendency to. No, not my moon, not my rising either. Oh, okay. No, Interesting. no. Yeah, David is a cancer. But in that situation, you're like, I want to be the, you know, the partner I, I, first and kind of check this out I, before. I, I completely trust. And I was already like loving Stan Groff so much and I knew this was like this is not hokey this is not bullshit this guy is the real deal he's been doing this for 50 years I'm in really good hands Uh, but I was you know like going into any ceremony like going into medicine ceremony I don't care if it's my breath I don't know what's gonna I don't know what's gonna happen right and it may have been a mistake coming in deciding to be the the observer first or the sitter first because some shit was going down. <laughs> really? It was like this. It was at Kripalu in Massachusetts. Oh, okay. It's, so it was, it's three hours each session. Yes. So the breather. The, the breather breathes for three hours. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. How long do we do it here? 20 here? minutes. 20 minutes. Yeah. Which is a lot. It's a lot. That. Yeah. It's a lot. Yeah. So they're breathing and you know, it's this huge cathedral in Kripalu and it's like a room. The room is like, and it's all with evocative music. So it, part of the practice, pr- part of Stanislav Grof's practice is the music, the playlist that he creates for. So it's kind of a uh, indigenous with trance music with really ethereal kind of stuff. So he has like this really nice medley of emotion, ethos driven tracks and, you know, things just started manifesting in that room and people are falling apart and PTSD rising and people like re- recurring Vietnam. I'm not even kidding. Like things really go down. And it's not that other people's experiences kind of like, oh, I'm going to go back to Vietnam. <laughs> it's just I knew that this had the capacity to like change me. And that's always scary to just like be changed and not be able to see life the same you know in this kind of experience there's no fear of i'm going to be stuck in the trip because it's your own breath so there's something really true there's no intruder when it's just you and your breath it's so pure it's just like so i went into the experience with all the intention to just surrender into it it was really hard to surrender because my body was fighting back so hard so the T-Rex hands, for three hours, I was like this. And the dialogue, and this is also why I say in the beginning of the session here, I'm like, have a gentle dialogue with yourself. Be kind to yourself. Because that dialogue, that you are 
so unadvanced. You can't surrender. You can't let go. What's wrong with you? You are a fraud. And I was just like unable to release that voice in my head that didn't let me. And I felt a lot of things. And you know, in retrospect, it was already almost a year ago. In retrospect, I can tell you a lot of beautiful things happened. A lot of things unfolded. Yes, I was stuck in my body, but I did not allow for the stuckness to happen. And I did not take under consideration the fact that this is a practice. And this was the one time of lifetime of practicing this. And we have this practitioner who comes here periodically from uh, Costa Rica. Her name is Ashley Ludman. And she's going to be here next weekend on a Saturday. And she does a similar, she calls it breakthrough breath work. Ooh, what time does that start? Next next Saturday at 7.30. Are you coming? I might be able to make oh, it. Oh, yeah. I, yeah she I, is amazing. With, uh, with my school of style, we have a class at Pier 59 Studios, but my partner, Lauren, does the teaching, so I just have to go and kind of, you know do my thing but I don't have to actually I might be able to make that cool. oh you should you should she's uh she's a really gifted and I would you know because I can call her a healer she's a gifted healer and she does this so masterfully so doing the practice with Stanislav Graf I came out of it really frustrated and uh with a very negative kind of conversation with myself and then when I was about to leave, I came over to him to say goodbye. And he looked at me and he asked me, are you going to be okay? And I said, uh, yes, I think so. And I started crying and he hugged me and I have a picture of him hugging me while oh, I'm crying. Oh, that's cool. I will never forget that moment. That's cool. But having said that and having that experience, I had other breath experiences after. And it just my, my kind of instrument, my vessel needed time to unfold. This is just the way I operate. I'm not dive head first. I'm like, hey, do I like this? Let's try it. I'm process oriented. So my process is a little slower. doesn't make it a little any less meaningful. Uh, so it's unfolding slowly. And, I, and every time I do this, something else kind of like a new, a new chapter opens for me. And uh, deeper surrender takes place. So knowing that this is not a magic pill and this is not a magic practice practice and it needs to be consistently in the vocabulary of what we do it's like if you for two days sit for meditation for 15 minutes in the morning for 15 minutes in the evening or 20 minutes whatever whatever it is you practice you're not going to see god in two days <laughs> you're not going to get to the deepest layers of yourself necessarily in two days it takes time there is a process that takes place that is not necessarily conscious. Um, so I really think that no matter how many times you find that you kind of hit a wall, keep showing up. I had a, an acting teacher who used to tell me, it's your, it's your party, all you need to do is show up. And it's so true, you just show up to your own party every day. So when you finished that uh, particular workshop, then were you given instruction like on how to continue the practice when you got home and did you do so? And, and now that you're teaching this breathing essentially or giving people these experiences here at womb, do you still like at home have your breathing practice and stuff like no, that? No, I do not breathe. At, I don't breathe at home. I don't think that this should be done by yourself. <laughs> okay, really? Yeah. Oops. <laughs> you did it by yourself? Well, I don't do the long ones that often. Seven minutes. <clears throat> Usually I do the kind of the Wim Hof version, which is like, I don't know, for, I, I might do 25 minutes, but it's two minutes at a time. Okay. And, and then, then what a happens whole, between? Uh, a long exhale. So I do two minutes of the, you know, I don't want to like blow up the mic, but essentially like uh, full inhale to the belly and then like an 80% exhale. Then, you know, like that kind of pace mm -hmm. through the nose or the mouth. I, I like the curled tongue inhale, which is something you do in a lot of the Kriyas and, and Kundalini. I Sitali just, breath. That's my vibe. So you do two minutes of that, then an exhale, like push all the air, then all the air, mm -hmm. then all the air, then hold that as long as humanly possible, which mm -hmm. strangely sometimes goes like between three and four minutes of no breathing on the exhale. It's freaking Wow, that's so hard for me. It's insanity. Usually for me, it's about two minutes and I'm like, okay, I'm done. It's really a long time. And then full, full inhale and then clenching. Like sometimes I'll do left hand on top, left hand on the heart, right hand on top and just tense up my entire body, hold for about 30 seconds, then boom, back into the two minutes. Mm -hmm. That's kind of my jam. And then on the last one, after I've done, you know, six, seven, eight, 
nine rounds of that, however long that takes. Then I'll do kind of three final inhale holds where I hold it like a minute and a half or as long as I possibly can with the tension and then I let it out and I'm just like, <laughs> I'm so chill. It's just and what like, does this do for you? Chills you out? It alleviates brain fog. It makes me, I get like bliss chemicals. I get just happy. I start feeling positive. Uh, I get energy. Like if I'm sleep deprived or hungover, I do it on the airplane now. If, if I'm lucky enough to have a seat that doesn't have people right next to me, because hmm? people kind of get weird. Yeah. <laughs> right? or you might get weird. Yeah, you start doing that. <laughs> or sometimes you pass out, you know, <laughs> in the middle of the path of work, start leaning on some old lady or something. Uh, but I find on the plane, because I test my oxygen level with a pulse ox oximeter, and it'll go down to like 85, which is really like oxygen deprived. You should be like up 96, 7, 8, 99, mm. ideally. So when I start to feel sort of tired, I'll check it. I'm like, God damn it, I'm losing oxygen. So mm. I'll do a bit of that breathing and mm. it brings it right up. Amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. So subjectively, the experience is just like, wow, I just feel really good. And especially, it's a really good spot treatment for, for anxiety. So if I have... You suffer you know, from anxiety? Situational anxiety, yeah. You know, if there's a business issue, relationship problem, breakup, something like that, uh, I will get a bit of that. And I do you know, ice baths, cold showers, breathing exercises, all kinds of infrared sauna, all kinds of different things to alleviate that. But I find that breath work really is quite magical. You said you don't practice specifically these, these long breathing sessions by yourself. Why did you not do it by yourself and why would you not advise that? I think I would want a sitter for anything that might transpire. I don't know. Uh, for seven minutes, you can do it by yourself. But longer than that, Stanislav Gruff doesn't recommend doing this by yourself. Um, I also feel like I don't... <laughs> sorry, go on. Just, I just remembered some. Go ahead, go on. Sorry. You don't, I, I don't feel like I need to be going through these experiences on a regular basis. I need to go through them periodically. So okay. every time it is offered here in the studio, which is about every two months or so, I'll just do it here. It's almost like doing ayahuasca or any, any of those like super cleansing, heart opening crazy ass things that you do not right. every single day uh, right. I don't want to oversensitize myself to this stuff it's also like I don't do every sound experience that we have here in the studio because I don't want to anticipate I don't want to be like I don't want to get numb to the not that you can I don't think to this breathing I don't think you can get numb to it or ha not have it affect you anymore um but I don't know. I don't think that's where I am yeah. at doing this every day. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> you know? Do you have people that are like hab habituated to coming to womb? Like, yeah. do you have regulars that are like every I, Friday night, quote unquote, addicted? I mean, I don't think it's, you can get addicted to something this positive, but I mean, you have people that are like really dedicated and do it all the time. We have people who are consistently here every Friday night that's for Sound thing. Journey and every. Sunday, Monday for gong or... Oh, cool. Mm. What, what I was about to interrupt you and uh, with a chuckle about was you just reminded me, speaking of doing it by yourself, one morning I was doing my breathing and I mean, I hate to say this, but sometimes I do it while I'm doing other shit. Like I'm, I have really? a yeah, I have a mantra playing and then, um, I'll be like, I can't do like an email while I'm going, but on the exhale, sometimes I'll do something. <laughs> so one day I was doing the breath work and on one of those exhale holds where you're totally empty of all air, I got up to go to the kitchen to like grab something and I fucking straight up passed out <laughs> and I literally slammed my head on the ground and dropped no. like a cup of water or whatever I had in my hand. Yeah. I, I blacked out. And I was like, oh, I guess I should not do the exhale yeah. uh, and try to walk around. So anyone <laughs> listening, like when you're doing this breath work, I mean, it's potentially risky. I, and I see why you say don't do it by yourself, but definitely please listeners, do not try to get up and do anything else. I Just learned my lesson. Just lay down and be comfortable. I have, I have, have much padded area. <laughs> yeah, I have much more reverence and respect for the practice after having done that. Uh, luckily, I, you know, I didn't get hurt because I could have and, I was, and I was alone, but you know. It's very obvious now that someone's protecting you up there. 
Well, I'm, you know, I'm like, I'm not going to, like, I have nine lives. Maybe I'm on eight. I don't want to push my luck. But totally. yeah, I don't ha- I also have like a, um, like a linoleum floor and it's kind of padded underneath. Mm-hmm. So I think I hit that. Had it been, you know, some tiles or something, who knows? I could have knocked my freaking melon open. that brings us to the bittersweet end of another episode of the lifestylist podcast i'm going to take a guess right about now that you want to jump into some breath work some burning man some sound experiences maybe even explore some psychedelics this was quite the consciousness expanding conversation i really enjoyed it and what i enjoyed even more was recording it and being able to deliver it right into your dome, right into them eardrums. So welcome to 2018. If this is your first time on the Lifestylist podcast, I want to welcome you and encourage you to keep coming back. There's plenty more going on. I've got some fantastic episodes up my sleeve. I don't want to give them away, but damn stuff is looking good. But in the meantime, make sure to subscribe to the show so you can catch part two with Alien Zach this Friday. It's a double header. We had to cut it off because it was just too long and too epic. So subscribe to the show so you don't miss it. Go to lukestory.com forward slash newsletter. Get those show notes so every link that me and the guests talk about is delivered right to your inbox once a week. It's pretty awesome. And uh, yeah, that's it, man. I will uh, catch you Friday. Thanks again so much for listening. And don't forget to share this episode with a friend that is curious about such matters. As we wrap up this episode, I'd like to remind you to get over to foursigmatic.com where you can find tons of medicinal mushroom and superfood and super herb blends. They're really easy to use. They taste delicious. They're all organic. They're super chronic, super strong. They're the real deal. You guys know I take them all the time. I'm not playing. I don't just make that up. When I say I use something, I use it literally every day. So get over to foursigmatic.com, enter the code LUKESTORY, and you will save 15%. When you start adding us stuff up in your cart, you're going to thank me for that 15%. It actually makes quite a difference. So LUKESTORY is your code. foursigmatic.com is your website. Enjoy it.